So, so today I want to talk about, um, the name of my sermon is Fasting for a Breakthrough. Fasting for a Breakthrough. I was, I was struggling um, this morning. I was going to, to teach about meditation and what it means to meditate on the Word of God. Uh, but after a little while of praying, I felt kind of unsettled in my soul and realized that I know that if some of us in here that are expecting God to do some things in our lives, and it's just been tearing so long that we're starting to lose faith that he's actually going to do it. Um, so I know a lot of us have been praying. We've been thinking. We've been coming to early Bible studies. We've been in community groups. But I want you to add this other element or this other dynamic to your devotional life, which is fasting. And I believe that fasting is one of the keys for us to experience what I believe that God has for all of us. Amen. So why don't you take some time to pray with me one more time? We'll ask God's blessing on his word, and then we're going to get into it. Holy Father, it is again that we come to you right now in the name of our Lord Jesus, just saying thank you. To thank you that we can sing to you this morning. To thank you that you care about our situation, that, that Lord, the glory does belong to you, and, and that you, O oh Lord, will, will lead us into some crevices, into some places that are difficult, but you will hold our hand as we go. So, Father, I pray for all of those under the sound of my voice today. I pray that your spirit would be with them, that you will enliven their hearts, encourage their souls so that they know that, Lord, you are fighting for them. You care about their situation and you're with them. So, Father, I pray that you will sit me down at this moment. I pray that the Holy Spirit will stand up in behalf of me and that he will testify of the goodness of your son. So, dear Lord, we honor you and we thank you for this time that we can come and hear the gospel afresh. Revive our souls, encourage our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the grateful hearts say, Amen. 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 I'm in Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew, the sixth chapter. I want to start at the 16th verse. Oh, they just cut my time down by 10 minutes. Okay, okay, all right, here we go, okay. Whoa, I looked up, I have 42 now. Okay, here we go, here we go. I got to read fast then. I wouldn't have gave my introduction. Uh, whenever you fast, somebody say whenever. Don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive, so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that your fasting is not obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There ends the reading of God's word. I don't know about you, but there has been some seasons in my life in which I felt stuck. I just felt unproductive. I felt like uh, I was being stagnant. And for some reason, some of us feel that very same way. We feel like we're simply not moving forward vocationally, we're not making any progress relationship-wise, and we're struggling in our calling. A lot of us feel like right now, if we're honest or not, that life is a revolving pattern of unproductivity. And it seems that no amount of energy can reverse or any no amount of energy that we exert can change the course of our circumstance. Maybe you've been in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe you found yourself in financial ruin. Maybe you've tried every diet. You've been vegan. You've been keto. You've been low carb, slow carb, no carb, yo carb, whatever. You've tried it and you have just kept on keep on hitting your head against the wall. It's almost like you're hitting a glass ceiling and you're wondering when God is going to help you make inroads through that difficult circumstance. 
It, it, it seems like no, you, no matter what you do, you just can't seem to catch a break. As soon as you get your tax money back, your car goes out. As soon as you get a little bit of cash, something happens at the apartment, whatever it may be. And this is what it feels like in a culture that values advancement and that celebrates graduation and that applauds moving forward. You feel like your life is the exact opposite and you cannot overcome this sense of hopelessness and helplessness. You feel powerless to change your circumstance. And it seems like as soon as you take one step forward, here you go again, taking one step back. So when that happens, this is what we often do. We often develop a pessimistic attitude about life. Because we've dealt with so many disappointments time and time again, we just said, in order to compensate for my disappointment, I'm going to adopt or adapt a pessimistic idea of life. So, so if we're honest in here, some of us don't even pray confidently because we don't have the confidence that God is really going to change our situation. We walk around feeling defeated all day. We, we, we're like enveloped in a cloud of depression. And, and instead of dreaming about the future and, and believing that God is going to do something miraculous, we spend more time worrying about the future. And then this is what we do also. We begin to put caveats and make limitations on God. We, we say things like, well, this will never change in my life. I've always been like this, so I might as well keep on doing this. My life is going to be like this forever. And here's what's really sad. When we see our friends and our family walking in the plans and purposes of God, we get envious of them and decide that we've got to cut them off. Because we feel jealous. And we're not jealous that God has blessed them with things. We're jealous that God didn't bless us with the stuff that they had given them. So in other words, we get upset with God for blessing people with things that, he, that we believe he should have given to us. So we're not able. So a lot of times we're just not able to hide our anger anymore. And we just feel like we can't move forward. When you feel like that, you need a breakthrough. Y'all ain't talking back to me in here, Brooklyn. I know it's early in the morning here, but, you know, I, I'm used to y'all talking. I need to hear from you a little bit. So, so, so let, me, let me just define breakthrough a little bit. Like, like, so let, before I get there, so, so when we think about a breakthrough, right, it's, it's like when we're running into a major barrier, we just need to get past it so that we can walk in the plans and purposes that God has for us. So we don't need behavior modification. We need heavenly interposition. We need God to put his super on our natural, right? So, so I know that you've heard this idea of breakthrough before on TBN. I know that you have, but, 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 but let me provide some biblical grounding for you so you don't think I'm crazy and, and throw a tomato at me or some coffee. A breakthrough is a military concept. It happens when an army is able to be weakened by its enemy forces to the point of collapse, allowing the army to invade and take over the enemy's territory. And what you might not know is that the Bible is full of all of this militaristic breakthrough type of language. That's why he says in the Great Commission, go make disciples. In other words, this is a militant type of terminology. He's saying that Christians aren't just to be defenders, but that Christians are to be aggressors who go and share the good news of Jesus. He says in 2 Timothy 2.16 that the gospel which we preach is able to liberate those who are in captive by the devil to do his will. 
So in other words, we are the ones that have been given authority. Therefore, we, because of our relationship with Jesus, can also experience the breakthrough in the difficult areas in which we have allowed to not experience a lot of victory. Right. So here. So here's what's going on. For, for some of us, we haven't experienced victory in some areas of our lives because we have allowed demonic agents to have unauthorized access. We spend too much time on that Instagram button, the explore button. Spend too much time online. We've got an addiction to noise, so we can't really hone in on the voice of the Lord through his scriptures. See, we've got these vices that we lean on more than we lean on the Lord. And then we wonder why we don't have victory in those particular areas that we struggle in. And oftentimes it's because we have some strategic ground and Satan is not going to yield strategic ground without a fight. Right. So here's, so this is what's going on. So so so. Too often in our lives, we have simply given in. We have relinquished hope. We have forfeited joy. We think, we think that our lot in life is to be miserable. We read things about, like John 10, 10, that Jesus has given us life and more abundantly, but somehow we don't think that that verse applies to our own situation. We just mope around feeling sorry for ourselves. But let me tell you, don't believe the lie of the enemy. Don't think that the where you are now is where you're always going to be. Don't think that there is more, more out there. Are y'all hearing me? There's more, more. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he is out there fighting for you. He has your back. He is the one. He's the one that says that we've been given gifts by God to steward in the church. He's the one that says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 7 that I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love and a sound mind. Moses was Moses died. God told Joshua, Joshua one night, have not I commanded you to be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Sometimes you just need to be reminded of Psalm three when David finds himself fleeing from Saul. He just says how many or how my foes have increased. Many are they that trouble me. Many are they who say of my soul there is no help for him in God. But Thou, O Lord, art the shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. I lay me down and slept. I awake for the Lord sustain me. I will not be afraid toward the end. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast, hidden, thou hast destroyed all of my enemies. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Sometimes you've just got to be reminded that God is fighting for you. You've got to be reminded that he's got your back. And even though you experience some pain, he's protecting you from a whole lot of pain that you could have experienced. But because he's with you and he cares for you, he's got your back and your lot in life is not for where you to stay where you are. Here's what happens. We need to fast to get a breakthrough. Need to fast. So, so, so here's the first thing. So here it is. When, when we experience a crisis, the first thing that we do is worry, right? That's, what the first, that's the first thing. Usually our heart drops into our chest. We get a little apprehensive, right? 
after we're initially overcome with fear, the next thing we do is we pray, right? We're praying, so we're asking God to, to intervene into our situation. So praying is the way that we invoke heaven into history, right? So, but however, there are certain circumstances in which you need to couple your prayer with fasting. So especially when you're experiencing financial turmoil, health issues, relational problems, there is another God-ordained way for you to get past some of the hurdles that you're experiencing, and that's through fasting. Let me give you a definition. Christian fasting is a believer's voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual purpose. It's the deliberate absence from food for a period of time to gain or achieve a greater spiritual goal. Let me say it another way. It's the process of letting go of something physical so that you can grab something that's spiritual. It's intentionally denying your body of food because what you're saying is that the cravings of my soul and my spirit are greater than the cravings of my stomach. So we know we know that prayer is effective, but sometimes you if you need the Holy Ghost to do something, you've got to dive deeper into the God ordained mean or God ordained means that he's used to connect with him. And that's through fasting. Let me say this. What you'd be surprised to know is that there are dozens of fasts in the Bible. One that you might be uh, aware of is the partial fast or the Daniel fast. Some of y'all heard in that before, right? That's when you give up vegetable. That's when you give up meat and you only eat vegetables. So he became a vegan, if you will, for 21 days. Then you have the absolute fast, which is when you just give up all foods in general. Uh, but the one that we'll discuss today out of this text is, for, is the private normal fast, which includes giving up food but yet still drinking water. So for those who are unfamiliar with this spiritual discipline, you might be surprised to find out that Jesus expects you to fast. Let me let that sink in. Jesus expects you to fast. How do we know? If you compare this verse, 16 and 18, with verse 2 and 3, he says, when you give. And then you look back at verse 5 and 7, he says, when you pray. So, so people commonly use this phrase to talk about giving and praying, but rarely do they mention fasting. You turn around in Matthew 9, verses 14 through 15, tax collectors walked up to Jesus and they were asking why his disciples weren't fasting. Jesus said, the day is coming when the bridegroom will be taken away from you and then they will fast. So, so God is saying, if you want to connect to me, I need you to realize that this is a spiritual discipline that you need to incorporate into your life. All right. So he gives two commands in this verse. The first, ver the first one, he says, is a negative command. He says, when you fast, don't, don't look like you actually are fasting. Don't talk about how hungry you are. Don't complain. You have to remember the purpose of your fast, right? So he, this is what he's saying. He's not saying that you can't tell people you're fasting. If you're married, you might want to tell your mate you're fasting before they start cooking dinner. Or if you're about to have a community group and people wondering why you're not eating, you might want to tell somebody. But this is what he's saying. Don't tell people that you're fasting just so you can look deep. So you can look super spiritual. He's saying if you do that, there goes your reward. You, you've got it. But on the other end, he says, on the other hand, he says, but rather make sure you keep up your appearance. And then he gives one more command. He says this. He says, and when you do this, the father in heaven will reward you openly. So in other words, if you do this in private, I promise to bless you in public. That's what he said from the text, right? So here, let me, let me help you as you think about this idea of fasting, right? The first thing you have to do when you're fasting is you have to have a clear purpose. 
You got to have a clear purpose, right? Because as you begin to discern your purpose, you need to ask yourself these questions. Number one, what situation do I need God to intervene in right now? Where do I need God to intervene? Here's another question you can ask yourself. What is the one thing that if it changed, it would make my life better? What is the one thing that if it changed, it would make my life better? Let's go a little deeper. What is the most nagging, pesky sin in my life that has been hindering me from walking with Jesus powerfully? Here's another one. Let's go a little deeper. Uh, What behavior do people in my life complain about the most? As you're trying to discern why you're fasting, it's important that you remember the purpose of your fast, right? That's immensely important. Why? Because when your, hunt, when your head starts to pound, because when, when your stomach starts growling and you pass every chicken shack on the way back to your house, you need to be reminded of the reason that you're doing it. And you're doing it because you're letting go of something in the physical so that you can grasp to something in the spiritual. In order to boost my productivity, I've taken the John Maxwell route. John Maxwell says that you need to schedule 80% of your day, leave 80% of your week, and you just leave the other 20% of the time so that you can just work with variables that happen or changes that happen. So on Sunday nights, what I do is I set my schedule for the week. I only change it because of an emergency, and I pray over that schedule because I believe that God, this is how God wants me to spend my time for that week, right? Now, now, as now, as I my, because my calendar is connected to my Gmail account, what happens is Gmail sends me notifications and it reminds me of how I should be spending my time. And listen, hunger pains work in the same way. They remind you as your stomach growls and as your head hurts and as your body feels like it's about to go into convulsions because you haven't had your morning coffee or that bagel in the morning. What happens is those pains are notifications that God allows you to feel to remind you of the spiritual purpose of what you're doing. He's trying to let you know when when your stomach growls, you need to pray when your head hurts. You need to have a one minute retreat in which you focus on God and focus on what he's doing in your particular situation. Those things are to help you to carry you along to the spiritual purpose that God has for you. So here it is. So after you crystallize a spiritual purpose, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Do not make one life altering decision without fasting first. Right. We've all stood at the crossroads of a huge decision. You felt like you were at it. Perhaps it was a career change. Perhaps it was a a career move or you were looking to move to a different spot. Or perhaps it was a particular person that you were interested in dating and you were asking God to give you some wisdom and some clarity. I'm saying whatever it is, the first thing that you need to do is, is seek the Lord through prayer and fasting. That's the first thing, right? Number one, you got to remember this, that God is the source of all wisdom and that he has the answer for your particular situation. Right. Proverbs 2 9 says, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge. So here's the thing. Here's what we do. Typically, when we're trying to discern the will of the Lord, we do. We use something called road signs. Right. We 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 read scripture. We seek wise counsel. We examine we examine the circumstances. We assess our personal desires to determine if this new move is an ideal fit. Well, I'm encourage you, in addition to those road signs, incorporate fasting into it. 
Because it will help you discern whether your why matches God's will. So that's what's happening right now. We want to know, does my why and my what match God's will? So therefore, I need to fast. I need to pray. I need to be in the text in order to discern that. This is exactly what happens in Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas are chilling and the Antioch church is thriving, is economically, linguistically and ethnically diverse. And they felt like the Holy Spirit was leading them to go on a missionary journey. But before they did that, they had to take some time to stop and to fast to make sure that they were getting clear direction from God. See, a lot of times we're waiting for God to roll out a whole blueprint and give us a step one to see what we need to do. But other times God is saying, you fast. I've put it in your spirit because you've been reading my word and connecting with me. Now you just need to go and trust that I'm going to lead you on the way. When he blessed Noah, he didn't bless Noah with an A to Z plan. He gave Noah a blueprint, build an ark. He didn't tell him how to cut the wood. He didn't tell him where to build it at. He was using all of his wisdom, all of his knowledge. He said, I need you to do this. So some of us are waiting on God to do some stuff when he's already unraveled a plan for you and we're just not moving our feet. That's what it is. So we got to stop asking God to order our steps if we're not willing to move our feet. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Coming back. Coming back. Coming back. So here's the thing. So, so you got to fast. You got to incorporate this discipline. You got to stop seeing it as mundane, right? And stop feeling like when decisions come up that you're being rushed into them or that you're being forced into it. You're not being forced into it. That's when it's time to take a moment to pray, to seek the Lord so that your next move will be your best move. Here's another reason that you fast. Fasting is, purpose, is great because it helps you to express grief that you've been bottling up for so long. So in many ways, God will use fasting as a means of being your counselor. That's what he'll do, right? So there's a myriad of reasons to, to fast. But like a lot of us have, have, have sort of just ignored these deep emotions. We've experienced some trauma. We've experienced some pain in our past. And rather than talking about them, we don't want to go to therapy because we don't want people thinking that we crazy. So we call it life coaching. Like, yeah, life, life coaching. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Nothing wrong with having Jesus and a therapist. Amen, somebody. Right. So 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 what we do is like like when we experience these wide range of emotions, oftentimes we just bottle them up. And then when we bottle them up, we put caution tape around our emotion and we just try to overlook that particular area. But here's the thing. Sometimes God uses fasting as a means for you to get that emotional breakthrough so you can walk to this next stage of your life without resentment for people that have done you dirty for a long time. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so, so, so listen, so Judges 2028 20, 20, 20, says it, it, the Israelites wept all night because they lost 40,000 brothers. And as they were weeping, they had a, they had a fast that they inaugurated. So that they can deal with the drama and the stress associated with this terrible event that happened. Saul and his sons were killed in a battle and the men of Jabesh Gilead walked around all night. They picked up the bodies they had. They buried them and then they fasted for seven days. Maybe you're feeling stuck in life, not because God is seeking to change your circumstances, but maybe he's just trying to change you. Maybe your breakthrough is not your situation. Maybe it's you. So, so here, so, so fasting is the means that God allows you to express your grief to him and the depth of your feeling so that you can process through and move forward with some of these emotions that you're feeling. 
I'm saying some of us have so much bound up emotion and hurt and we just leave it there and we wonder why we explode at every circumstance. Somebody could just say, I hope you're having a nice day. And you're like, why are you talking to me like that? What you mean have a nice day? It's like, yo, what, you, what are you mad for? What you mad for? You can, you can trust women again. You can trust men again. It's all good. But, I, but I'm saying incorporate this fasting because it will help you to process some of the grief that you've been bottling up. Here's another thing. Fasting intensifies your prayers. It intensifies your prayers. I don't know about you, but there's this beautiful thing. Uh, it's called Amazon that I love so much. Uh, delivers groceries, books, wide range of items. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that God created through the hands of Jeff Bezos. It's a beautiful, praise the Lord for him. We need to pray for him every day that the Lord will bless and keep him. So when, when you buy something, right, when you buy something on Amazon, right, they give you a, a, a few shopping options, right, or shipping options, if you will. You got the no rush shipping. <laughs> Who does that? Why do you even give me that as an option, right? That doesn't even make sense. Then they give you the, the two-day sh- shipping. Uh, uh, uh. All right, cool, two-day shipping. But my favorite is the same-day shipping. Praise them in the house today, Brooklyn. I, I knew. So what happens when you do the second-day shipping is even though it costs you a little bit of something, even though it, it costs a little bit more, it's, it, what, I'm, what I'm doing is my package is getting to me very urgently. That's what's happening. And can I tell you that the same thing happens when you couple your, fr- your prayer with fasting? That it brings a note of urgency and importance to our prayer and gives force to our pleading in the court of heaven. So in other words, when you fast and pray, you're letting God know, God, this is important. This is so important that I'm going to send you the same day notification that I need some help. I need you to bring attention to this. I need you to handle this, God. And I'm willing to go without eating food, not to contort you to my will, but to show you that I'm serious about my circumstance. That's what he's saying. Ezra was feeling this way as he was leading a group of exiles back to Jerusalem. They didn't know to ask for military protection during the 900 mile journey. But they said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to implore God and we're going to fast and God delivered them. So that's what it's doing. Prayer and fasting. How many of you have a best friend in your life that you might not see too often? But when y'all get together, everything is perfect. It's like you catch up. Put your hands up. I know some of you. Oh, some of us ain't got friends. Okay, you don't have no friends got to go to community group, right? The break is going to be over soon, right? It's like when they are in your life, life is better. Things are, things are better. It's like you accomplish so much with that person in your life. Well, let me, let me encourage you to this. You need to do the same thing with prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting are best friends that will help you accomplish much more in your life when they're together as opposed to them being separate. So I know that your prayer life is robust. I know that you're getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning and you're lifting your call to Jesus. I, I get it. You're asking God to intervene into your heavenly. You're asking for heavenly intervention into your earthly situation. I get that. But I, you need to incorporate some prayer and some fasting into your situation because that's how you're going to get the breakthrough that you need. And how do we know we see this with our Lord Jesus? That he Because he prayed and because he fasted and because he experienced some solitude, you and I are delivered from the greatest enemy that could ever keep us from God. And that's our sin and iniquity. Mm -hmm. 
That's the fact that you and I could have experienced death in hell. We could have been excommunicated from the presence of God forever. But because of the goodness of, and mercy of Jesus, because there was a breakthrough in our atonement, he freed us from the wrath of the enemy. So here's my last point. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. We've made excuses of why we can't do things for so long in our lives. We've said we've argued so much about what we can't do. I'm encouraging you today. I know this is not a shout, knock them down sermon, but I'm encouraging you today to fast. You need God to give you a breakthrough. You need him to do something that only he can do. You're asking God to do the impossible. You need him to put the super on top of your natural. And I'm saying that prayer is great and God does some things through prayer. But I'm saying you've got to deny yourself of some food so that you can encounter him and engage him in a new and fresh way. So you can walk in that plan that God has for you. Some of us have so many ideas, so many things that we want to do. But it just won't happen unless we pray and we fast. Father, we do thank you for the abundance of your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness towards us. We thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Lord, that you took upon yourself all of the sin and iniquity of the past. You placed it upon Jesus. Lord, and you endured the shame. You endured the hardship. Lord, some of my brothers and sisters in here today, they're looking for a breakthrough. Lord, they've been hitting their head against a glass ceiling, wondering when you're going to show up, wondering when you're going to do something, wondering when you are going to give them victory in areas of life that they have struggled in. And Father, I pray that you will bless their fast. Whatever you've been asking, whatever they've been asking you for, Lord, I pray that if it's according to your will that you would do it for them. Help us to have the right motivations about our activities. Help us to get in line with you. Lord, help our wives to match your will and so we can experience victory and breakthrough in the areas that we have been seeking in, God. We know that we've got some strategic ground. Some of us have some areas, Lord, that we've allowed Satan to take some of his territory in. But God, we, we know that he has no place with us because of the blood of Christ. So, Lord, I pray and I pray that you will bless this congregation so that they will be encouraged in their spirit to know that you are with them. You will lead them. You will guide them and give them the help they need. So, Lord, we honor you. We thank you and we give you glory in Jesus name and all the people that agree with that say.